0: (laughs) Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Oh, hey, welcome. <laughs> Howdy to party night at AB testing podcast
1: <laughs> episode <laughs> one
0: six zero. Oh, wow, it's been a long time. We haven't recorded in a month because stuff, right? Life stuff that. And uh, yeah, stuff has happened and we've done stuff and now we're back again. So we have lots to catch up on. How you been? What's new with you, Bert? (laughs) Uh, Long time listeners will know when I first met Brent, I would always change his name just to confuse people. But anyway, that's a different story.
1: and, And to annoy me.
0: You can hear more about that on episode I don't know. Anyway, One, uh, back, two, to, back three, to my question. So, uh, what uh, have what, what you been up to? What's new? What's exciting?
1: Uh, well, what's exciting for me uh, is it's that most magical time of the year. We had this
0: conversation last time. Are you still doing reviews?
1: Uh, well, yeah, now we're in rewards.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and- we're, we're, we're,
0: we're doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a little less
0: stressful here.
1: uh, You know, it was. Here's the thing that was interesting. It was non-trivially stressful about a month ago when we started the process, because I've had people who have, have, well, I'll just put it this way. There are people who have been at Microsoft for half of a millisecond coming and going, oh, it's review time. So am I getting promoted? And um, I have having to go through in those discussions and, you know, giving the right message without, without doing it. But all of that kind of tapered down once, once uh, news has gone out that, that meta is doing a hiring freeze, potential layoffs. They're like, Oh, uh, <laughs> maybe
0: I should be happy to have a job.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, I'm holding my this- comments. The other Which thing, is a new thing for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is. <laughs> um, so the the most recent life adventure for me is is going through yet again empty nest syndrome with my oldest in an unexpected way. So listeners of this, I've known he's been out to college. He's actually graduated college, um, but last week. He moved to Indianapolis and it's um, so his roommates, um, his, his roommates, which are really tight. And, and to me, this part makes sense that for him to, he doesn't really have his next stage of life is to get into a PhD program. He didn't make it this last time around, even though he went through a bunch of interviews and he's gonna he's gonna get a job there, get experience in his in his discipline. He can do that anywhere. And then staying with his roommates was a really high priority. And one of his roommates did get into a PhD program at the University of something near Indianapolis. I don't actually know what universities are, but going back to me,
0: yeah. What about you?
1: Right. It, the fact. So I when he left, it was disturbing. And and you know, my son is one of is one of my favorite people on the planet. Um the and uh even though he lived out in Spokane, which for those who aren't listening, is about a depending on how fast you drive, it's between four to six hours. I was
0: the, born in Spokane.
1: I did not know that. Um the the fact that I can't, I, he's now no longer even within driving distance had, had some emotional impact. Now, I'm, of course, concerned with him, as, as listeners of the podcast are aware. Um, my son is gay and in, in Indianapolis, does not have a reputation of supporting that. So we'll...
0: well, I think Indiana in general, generally the larger cities are a little bit more um, accepting.
1: Well, that's what I'm going to hope for. That's what I'm going to hope for. So those are the two biggest exciting things in my life.
0: Cool, man. One thing I want to touch on before I go over how important I am—I'm not. Um, it's the same time of year here, but uh, I want to go back to your comment about hey, it's do I get a promotion now? Um, One thing I do and that I do is I am my org will tell you, hopefully is I'm hyper transparent. So I tell them like exactly how much I tell them how much budget I have. Here's how much merit is here. Much promo budget is Uh, we have, we do a promotion panel process where uh, I explain how it works. It's a collaboration between a person and their manager who want to be promoted. They have a discussion about it. If they think, yeah, you're ready for promotion You fill out this one-page, two-page thing, listing some examples of what you've done that uh, correspond with our job architecture, which is similar, like ladder levels of Microsoft or career guide, whatever it's called now. And uh, they get some 360 feedback um, because we want them to be working, not just getting the work done and having impact, but in a way that fits with the introduced values. And then an independent panel also from my org. Sits down, reviews the packets, asks some questions, and makes a choice on whether, one, makes a choice whether that person is ready for promotion, but two, also provides a bunch of great feedback for that person, either on how to be successful in the new level or what they need to do to get there. And it's super transparent. People know how it works. Uh, And... Uh, it's so it's very clear on what you need to do to get promoted. It's not like do I get promoted? There's, well, it's very clear exactly what you need to do. So there's no there's no mystery.
1: I that to me reminds me of of how I understood the Google model. Well, to the be... difference between the Google model
0: is Google is the manager wasn't involved. The employee could say I feel like being promoted, and they would put together their packet on their own. I feel like the managers and and then there's the other way, the Microsoft way, the traditional way is the managers sit in the room and talk about people and they figure out who should get promoted. This is a mixture of the both, the mixture of both. The manager's decision has weight, but it's not all the weight and they can't sit there and try and sell. And you've been in meetings like this because it's impossible not to where the manager who can sell their employees the best gets more of the promotion budget. And this just takes uh, that part of the equation out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The just to point do a point of clarity. So Google the manager is involved, but optionally so. So to 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 be considered for promotion, either the manager or the employee can can state I'm ready. Okay. And and then as I understand it, the way the packets are processed are in. In priority order, obviously, the ones where both the manager and the employee uh, believe they're ready go first.
0: Okay, right. I haven't worked at Google. I don't know all of their details, but
1: I don't either. This Be is a, this
0: is the way we do it in my
1: team. I I like I like the model. I like the model. the The one thing that's nice about it is the only the only change I would do with with yours if if I had the ability to. Was make the committee just be outside of your org entirely.
0: Yeah, eventually. it's Honestly, it's too... And I've involved people from outside the org. It's just too foreign of a concept for a lot of people right now. Eventually, eventually. I have to grow into that. I couldn't train... I can train my org and give them training on how to be a panel member and how to be a panel lead. I have less control over training people outside of my org how to do that. Gotcha. So, but we also do for our um, more senior positions, uh, like, for example, I wanted to open up a high level position uh, recently. And what I have to do is I have to bring that to a panel outside of my org of VPs to explain the role and why it's important for the company. That just keeps me from going, hey, I'm going to open up a VP role or a director role. Uh, Instead, I can't just do that. I have to go through a panel process to even open a role and, and all the senior, senior promotions go through a similar process. Anyway, uh, that was my comment there. What have I been doing? No. Oh, oh um, normal stuff. Avoiding COVID. I got my second booster shot because I am going to, I'm traveling. I'm traveling again. I'm going to Copenhagen, leaving Sunday. My first trip out of the country in over two years.
1: Fun. Um,
0: My passport expired during the pandemic, but I have a new one. And I remembered to sign it and everything.
1: Do you have a fast path to, to passport enablement? I have not, I have never possessed a passport.
0: Oh my God. You're such a stereotypical American. Really? I'm on my, I've, I've had, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. I have, I have a new passport. Get, Get a passport and see the world.
1: I, I would love both of these things. All right, do like, that. Yeah. The, a lot of people are surprised that I've never been to Europe. I have been outside of the United States. Um, Don't you
0: need a passport like, a, or at least an enhanced ID
1: to even go to Canada now? The last time we went to Canada, those rules weren't in place. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Do you it, leave Bothell?
1: I, I do. I'm in Redmond right now. Do you leave Bothell in <laughs> <and> Redmond? <laughs> um for those of you I, away,
0: it's all just a big blob of suburban east
1: side. I I was in Seattle getting Krispy Kreme just, just last weekend. No, that's fantastic. All right. <laughs> all
0: right. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that. should be fun. Just hanging out with the team there. You know, I added 50 plus people to my org in Copenhagen six months ago. I have met about five of those people in person in my life and none since I started. So uh, looking forward to hanging out with them. So that'll be fun. All right. I got a a kind of a, because it's been a long time. I got a little bit of a a potpourri of topics on the agenda. And what are we at? Did I press record? I did. I remember how to do this. We're about 12 minutes in and 10 after editing. And uh, we're getting to stuff that, I don't know. This is, this is going to be fun, but a little bit of a throwaway. So first I would like to point out that PractiTest just published a list of their favorite podcasts. Did you know this? I did, and you know which one is you know. There's a bunch of podcasts on here, but also one called A/B testing.
1: I'm familiar with this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's
0: some link there, and we talk. <laughs> we both talk about. We we're asked independently, or we answered independently on in our favorite episode. And of course, it was episode 67, the traditional versus modern testing manager. And so, if you, that's what you should go check out. If you don't know what modern testing is, you don't know what what's. What are you guys doing? Um, go check that one out. You probably wouldn't say it that way, but yeah.
1: I, I would hope not. I mean, it's more cohesive. They have a great list on here. I, I was going through and I'm like, okay, who are the uh who you know, number one, what's the sword order? Normally we're number one because we're we start with but A. I have an A. But this is not where we're listed in number three. I do think in terms of adding awesome, colorful stories. Oh yeah. Interesting. It's actually you, me, and Joel. We're the only ones that sort of added stories to, to, um, to their list there.
0: I don't know, but it's a whole list of things you can go check out. It's a good way to sample and see if there are um, undoubtedly better testing podcasts. Undoubtedly. Right. And what, what's funny is we're on this list, but, Our podcast really, I guess we talk about testing, but it's not, and testing's in the title, and we've been testers, but we talk about a lot of other stuff. But today we're going to talk about testing. Let's talk about A-B testing with the slash. (laughs) which is a uh, yeah it's right right up your alley because a b testing with the slash of course is about compare experimentation and comparing different treatments and it's all out of eric and something that i know a little bit about i've given some talks about but i would think a data scientist is far far more knowledgeable in this area than i would be as much as i you know i try and i try and learn what i can but I think, Brent, would you agree with me that you, between us, you are the expert in A slash B testing? Oh, absolutely not. Well, no. and you would be right, because if you look <laughs> at the list of uh, from uh, Cameloon.com of 58 influencers in A, B testing that you need to know in 2022, my name shows up, not yours.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, well. see, so- I- <laughs> it's interesting and it's interesting because it seemed like uh I don't I don't know who wrote this harder. no me neither. I I, don't, but I, I I suspect an ex-girlfriend of Alan's or yeah, something it there It
0: gets better it gets better <laughs> I'm in the section now? of I'm in the section of a B testing influencers in feature management I don't know what that
1: means I, but you're the only one there. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I don't know what it means either. (laughs) I don't know
0: any of this. I don't, the world doesn't make sense, but I wanted to call it out.
1: In terms of like the category, well, feature management, to me, it looks like they, they might've done a LinkedIn search on AB tests and looking for, (laughs) looking for executives. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I don't get those anymore. I took, I took, I think I took advice from you on that years ago is basically, right? You change certain keywords in your profile and uh, now you no longer show up in that, in their search engine.
0: Recruiters don't actually read. They just keyword search your profile and they go, ooh, Estet. And I was an Estet a long time ago. I want to come back to Estet, but- do you know who else is a VP of engineering that we both know?
1: I know several people that we both know that are VPs of engineering. Oh yeah,
0: that, that was a dumb question. <laughs> that
1: was super but, dumb. Yeah, but, but before before we move on. Oh okay. Like I I'm I'm looking at this uh this this highly suspicious list of A/B testing influencers. Oh,
0: that, the one that includes me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Um, and. It, it explicitly mentions that you are now hosting the modern testing podcast. Yeah, so
0: apparently. So when did that when did that start? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I think for Brent, poor Brents the also ran. It's like, yeah, it's 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 the Allen's podcast. Welcome. This is the Allen Page podcast with a special guest <laughs> this week, Bert Jensen.
1: Yeah, you know, one day uh, when I get tired of your bullshit, Dude, I did
0: not like, do you see my byline there? I didn't make that page. Somebody else screwed it up. And I'm just going to tease you for it incessantly.
1: It just occurred to me that like the name of the podcast is AB testing, right? And if you just erase that small little bump in B, it very quickly becomes AP testing.
0: That may or may not have already happened. (laughs)
1: all right i'm i'm now searching spotify for the modern testing podcast we may have a discussion later is it wait (laughs) wait,
0: is it called the? that's so funny did they call it that the modern testing podcast they called it the modern
1: testing podcast yes oh my lord oh my lord i I
0: just i don't i don't know why people even make these lists some some i don't know anyway uh
1: Back, so, check fail.
0: So a long time ago.
1: Modern testing <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, nope, no, nothing on Spotify. So you don't you're not hosting it there yet.
0: All, All right. right. I'll be,
1: I'll find it, Mr. Page. I'll find it. Be,
0: wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if you found it? <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Alan has a podcast. Like It's like totally produced, like those ones with like the sound effects and the music in the background. It'd be like This is American Life, but it's a modern testing podcast. Oh, I could oh, weave yeah. some stories together. Oh, it'd be so good. That's such a good idea that I don't have time to implement.
1: No, you had to hire people for that. All right. All right.
0: Oh, remember, a so, long, do you remember that one time I wrote a book about software testing? I do. And I didn't write it all. I wrote most of it. And I take damn, I was damn clear with this guy. I counted pages and how many I wrote, and I wrote most of it. B.J. Rollison wrote part of it. I don't know what ever happened to B.J. I did look him up. I did a Google search. He did like, he like sailed his boat to Hawaii and then Fiji during COVID. But the other author who wrote two chapters, one chapter on, uh, one chapter actually interesting on like where the term S debt came from, and like you know how that was invented at Microsoft. And some other stuff around some of the history of tests is actually still accurate, even though it's changed so much since then. The snapshot's accurate. But he wrote another chapter on, uh, I I don't think it was even called service testing. Something around how we were testing services at the time. And he, within a year, he was so embarrassed about that chapter and how horribly out of date it was. He was writing that at a time Microsoft was still figuring out how to do service testing. But anyway... BJ, of course, left uh, Microsoft a long time ago. I left five years ago, five and a half years ago. And as of last week, Ken Johnston has left Microsoft. No more authors are left. He is now the VP of, AVP of Engineering at Ford Motor Company.
1: Yeah, he sent me a message on LinkedIn. He's recruiting you. He needs data scientists. He told me initially, it looks like on LinkedIn his title is different. Right, but he um he's the director of data platforms and analytics for the EV division.
0: That's oh no, he's he's VP. Dude, our, right. our listeners can't hear anyway. Anyway.
1: No, I'm just just saying, like, look right here, Ken telling me that's his title.
0: Um, look at the look to the left where it says, I'm happy to share that I'm starting a new position as VP engineering at Ford Motor
1: Company. Yeah, no, I see that. Right. I'm just telling you. I don't not Ken told me this is his title. Okay. He told he's told everybody this is his title. Okay. I I don't so, know what it is.
0: So Ken's a big fat liar. That that's what you're if that's you're gonna sh- share your screen on an audio podcast just to say <laughs> Ken's a big freaking liar.
1: No, is I'm that just your plan? saying I'm is basically it, saying Is that your power move? Ken is an executive at Ford and and um there
0: you go. Whatevs, whatevs. Um, Hopefully, that's cool stuff. He's really he's super excited about it. All right, man. So anyway, Ken went there. So all those authors are gone. The book is blah blah blah. I got a couple questions for you. Yes. So I love Ministry of Testing because uh, for many 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 reasons. Uh, one is like a couple They're, every day. They, they
1: know, are awesome.
0: They ask some questions on Twitter that get a variety of answers depending on who answers them. So I'm going to ask you a couple of these. I'll give you the answer I gave on Twitter. Don't look at Twitter right now. So um, I'm going to ask you this. What's the most common cause of failed automated tests in your experience?
1: (laughs) Uh, Crappy automation code.
0: Well, With um, I just wrote code.
1: (laughs) Sure, which was a tough one.
0: It was either people or code. I didn't want to blame people, so I i I wrote code.
1: Um, yeah, you can't. The way the way I would frame it is more.
0: Yeah, there are better answers out there.
1: People writing automation code under the false assumption it's easy and learning the hard way it's not right quite honestly yet sure sometimes things change and that causes things to break but that's not a failed automation test that's a automation test that failed subtle difference yeah and
0: and the wordings were there too because is it failed? Is, do they mean flaky fail. Does it mean the product under test failed? is just, I, I don't know how to answer that, but it was, I, I copied that to share that with you because that was an interesting question. There was one yesterday, equally interesting for different reasons. And as you can imagine, a variety of answers. I'm going to throw at you also. Mm. Does a market shift towards S debts concern you? Yes. Me too. And mainly because I wonder how this tweet from 24 2004 got into my timeline as a new tweet yesterday
1: oh that's fun
0: <laughs> no it, it was tweeted yesterday and i think it's weird quite to me maybe it's because we're so into the modern testing world where i just you know there's a bubble i live in where i think estets are still a thing which was my actually my answer yeah what does that mean to you like like
1: well, so it, it means possibly two things. Okay? So in my career here, I've noticed that things kind of seem to circle around again, around every 10 years-ish, right? Where um, I've often noticed, and you may have noticed this as well with, with uh, let's, say, let's take the topic of duplication of effort. Where, where you'll see teams go, duplication of effort is bad. And, and then they try to centralize it under one leadership and one mission, and everybody's going to benefit from this. And then that central team eventually becomes a bottleneck, and they're only able to provide the 80% solution for everybody, which there's where everyone then has to make their own 20% and they don't have the ability to do it on that platform, and which then encourages a decentralization. And I constantly see that pendulum swinging back and forth. On this, if assets are coming back, uh, I hope it's because... We're now going into a new realm of complexity where where it's just not possible to develop and and test in parallel. If it's
0: that's that's not it, and I'm going to interrupt because what I think is yes. actually happening is that every once in a while, when I think you know, it helps see the bubble. We talked about viewing where modern testing is as the change of innovation curve, and I forget it really. is a lot of companies that are still hiring. A good number of S debts, or which I want to go back in time, just like you know, somebody wants to go back in time and save JFK. I want to go back in time to that meeting of the test leadership team at Microsoft and just not, just not use that term, get it erased from history. But what they want—they're hiring people to write a bunch of GUI automated tests because they can write code. And what that means?
1: Wait, wait, wait! Pause. That question was in context of what you just stated?
0: I don't understand the question.
1: The question was, does a market shift towards assets concern you? And you're saying that the, cons- the context in which that question was raised was uh, around UI automation?
0: Well, it's unclear. Some of the answers oh, okay. were around that. Some of the answers were around that. And I think a lot of companies are still hiring test automation specialists calling them Dets. That was my takeaway from the answers. And that concerns
1: me. Okay.
0: So what that tells me, and here's the big concern, I think you and I, and well before modern testing, agile testing was around talking about whole team ownership of quality. And, and we're all part of the team. What hiring Dets means is more silos because you probably have manual testers, your automated testers or Dets, and then developers who don't have to write tests. Even though we know, and the data's out there showing that if the developers write the automated tests themselves, there's a higher correlation of quality in their organization. So yes. in fact, you're hiring estates, you are setting yourselves up to some extent, at least for lower quality.
1: By hiring estates based off of studies such as the one that you you decided, by hiring estates, you are actually harming yourself.
0: That's my belief. That's my yeah. belief.
1: I I share that belief.
0: Well, you're no fun to
1: argue with. <laughs> no. How else are we going to parallelize? Let's let's quickly redo episode sixty-seven right now. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, that. So you had a small sample set, and right now I'm just going to choose to believe that the vocal minority in the world that died is the one that contributed to the Q and a of that. Or are you saying these are active, uh, ministry of test people?
0: Well, I mean, it's whoever's on
1: Twitter. They asked the
0: thing I love about them. They asked these questions knowing they're going to get a variety of answers.
1: Yeah. That that part I love. That's fun. The, the, the random questions and, and, um, like the, MT has shown up or modern testing principles has shown up on there. I think more than a couple times. Um, I love that they are spawning conversation.
0: Yeah, they are. And they know they're going to get debate and a different set of answers and, and good conversations happen. And it's, yeah, I'm actually really happy with it. I look back at the thread because people are answering in different ways. There's the whole, well, I'm a manual tester and I don't, want my, I don't feel like I have to program. And it's we, all those conversations go away if we, t- if we really embrace whole team quality and look at whether you're entirely a non-coding tester or a tester who writes lots of code. There are valuable ways for you to contribute to quality on your team but the developer should be writing the test automation. If you're like, if I'm a, if I'm, if I say I'm hired as an S debt, but I'm hired as an S debt, I wouldn't be hired as an S maybe hired as a developer, developer and test. I'll say I'm hired as an S debt on a team where developers are writing a whole lot of automated tests, not just their stupid little unit tests, they're writing actual functional tests and they're doing a pretty good job of testing. I'm spending some of my time probably teaching them to write better tests because. Who wants who wants flaky tests? And I I know have some good ideas on how to not do that. But maybe I'm also looking at writing analysis tools or tools that will help me put the application in a state right where, where whether it's a stress test or put it in a state where some weird things may happen or diagnostic tools or uh, linking in the telemetry from the app and some other analytics tools. Those are the sorts of things I want to do as an SDET. I don't want to just automate a bunch of GUI operations. And that's what I that's what I fear. And what I observe in some cases happening in some of these orgs, and I, I, I wish we could just move past it. And again, it's the siloing. The siloing doesn't work. And you and I have lived through this at Microsoft where we had a huge functional dev org and a huge fun- functional test org. And that conflict between developers and testers that we thought was kind of cool 20 years ago is unproductive today.
1: The only way I can think of why a cust- uh, a company would do this, right, would be because they could hire people to do automation, uh, potentially at a much lower pay scale.
0: Maybe, maybe. Not everybody has embraced this this style of software development. I even call it testing because remember, modern testing isn't really about testing, and it's not that modern either. It's just just the antidote to traditional test late test last conflictual siloed testing that we had seen uh, coming up in software in the nineties and two thousands.
1: Yeah. I wonder if ministry of tests even has any data on this.
0: No, I mean, again, I, I, there's value. They teach test automation course, think it's valuable and people still need to learn that stuff and they will need to for a while. But when I see some answers to these questions, I go, wow, my, my bubble is smaller than I thought. And sometimes my I think my bubble turns out to be bigger than I thought. I, I People come up and say, oh, hey, thanks for putting the name to what we've already been doing. Or, you know, we're following these principles. Like oh, okay, great. And sometimes now, I see I, like, well, I see some answers that go, oh, the bubbles. I can't tell how big the bubble is and where things are on the curve sometimes.
1: I'm constantly sort of probing and checking in on that as well. And I'll just tell you right now, I, I obviously, like you, I don't have proof. But the number of conversations and the number of insight, like I think we talked about it the other the other day, we're mainstream now. Uh, we're not. We're no longer sort of leading, right? That the the change curve that that um, you've put it multiple times in your presentation. We're no longer part. MTP is no longer really part of the leading edge. It's more no. mainstream.
0: Yeah, it's on it's on the downward bow of that curve. It's in, it's in. We're past the, the yeah it, yeah anyway go on.
1: No, it's it. We're at a point where it's well duh, right? Because it's it's just so commonplace. I think I think more of the traditionalist point of view is actually on its way out, but I think there's enough of us in the industry that maybe what's happening actually there was a. Do you remember the QA series you did in partnership with an external organization? I think they were a contract agency. Michael Hunter presented a presentation there. They were like, they hosted it and they were in like downtown Bellevue.
0: Talking about Sasquatch? Yes. Seattle area software quality assurance group.
1: Yes, and actually Les. Les, I think, was the one that did the presentation. Now, I think about it. You brought him in. You brought him in to, no, Lee. Lee. You brought him in to Microsoft. And he, he his presentation was around, the, I think he called it, the 10 Great Forgettings.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm wondering if that's what's happening again. Like, we've been, that people are considering assets and think it's new. I wonder if that's what's happening.
0: Oh, I wonder. I wonder.
1: And and there's not enough people around that remember the old days now to go, oh, dear God. No, no, stop. No, no. Stop. Anyway, I don't know. It does bother me. uh, I think what's the point of the question. Uh, And I dearly hope MOT does not have any data that points towards this. Although, Joel probably would would oh, be the yeah. one that would testing. have the data. I yeah. love
0: that Joel calls out like, you know, what kind of testing do you and, and MT is one of the things. Mm-hmm. Um I want to uh change subjects completely, which will mean we either have a three minute conversation or a 15 minute conversation on something I've been thinking about a lot. I want to bounce off you, but really I'm bouncing it off of our listeners. You know? Yeah. Is that cool, man? it's that or ask you some ISTQB interview questions, so I'm going to skip that part this week. I've been, uh, of course, as you know at Unity, I manage a bunch of stuff, including whatever you want to call our infrastructure, platform, et cetera team. The team that builds all of the infrastructure and tools we need in order to uh, build, test, deploy, maintain our products in production, whether it's desktop apps, service apps. I think people know that. Some of the traditional names are internal platform, et cetera. One thing, I have a part of my team, uh, doesn't matter what they're currently called, but their purpose is interesting. Their purpose is to focus on helping teams internally use our tools. So enablement, okay. advocacy, awareness, developing training, um, some internal community management, etc. And two things, uh, and this could go anywhere, but what I've found is Kind of like when people, this is cool. You know when people, this is a good segue. If I would have thought this farther in advance, if I'd have planning, if this was one of those podcasts, you know what the sound effects, like like the modern testing podcast? Uh, right. You would, Um. I would have wove this in much better. But people come up to me frequently and say, thanks for putting a name to something we're already doing. Didn't know what it was called. Recently, I had one of those moments myself when I realized there is a name for what this team does. And I don't know if uh, a lot of companies have a team called developer relations, whose job is to do this, you know, basically, you know, make sure work with customers to make sure they understand how to use your API and how to use your tools, et cetera. There is a whole bunch of writing on the internet about a thing called internal developer relations, which exactly describes what one of my organizations does, which is, Everything I just said: engagement, developer experience, enablement, awareness. They're doing communication and classes and brown bags and working directly with teams in sort of a consulting role, like a t- like test coaching sometimes, or actually test coaching, uh, working with teams to make sure they're successful using all the rest of the stuff my org builds.
1: Okay.
0: And the question is, when I look at that. You know, now I'm like thinking, where have I seen this before? And right before I left Microsoft, when did I leave Microsoft? 2017. So a couple of years before I left. I don't know if it's still a thing at Microsoft, but they had a thing called One ES, One Engineering System out of the VS team to try and and again, Microsoft isn't on one engineering system, but you know, they all use Git now, I think. Most teams use Visual Studio Team System, whatever. Oh, I'm sorry, Azure DevOps, another dumbass name. So some of that's there. But what do you remember about 1ES? Is that still a thing people talk about at Microsoft?
1: Um, It's still there. 1ES and the concept that you're referring to is, is, I would say, is not really talked about. Um, But it's still, the spirit behind it is still moving forward. Right? It's just Microsoft is huge Right, the for a long period of time. I mean, hell, we've talked about it before. Uh, in terms of uh, what the hell were those things called? The career stage profiles, but even then, before right, the things that you, you Alan Page, helped to author, it used to have. Crappy things like it. In order to get the principle and test, you had to architect a test architect.
0: Though I, I didn't work on. I worked on the old, the newer version. The old version had like, and again, it wasn't a checklist. It was a horrible architect. And those things are challenging. I could talk. I could do right, a whole right, podcast talking about those things. But yeah, um, it didn't. But it, there were encourage like, individual accomplishment over efficiency and in it together. <laughs>
1: It, it encouraged individual accomplishment over company accomplishment. Yeah. Quite honestly. Yep. I fully agree. And that definitely is changing under under Satya.
0: Yeah. And, and it it, was, to be fair, it was Satya who kicked off. It was 1ES was his idea to try and bring some consolidation to give you an idea of the landscape back then. I mean, again, Microsoft was even huge. They're bigger now, but... Every team had a different way of building, deploying, and testing, their, and, and even tracking bugs for their stuff. It was just a big, fat mess.
1: There is, in various different places in the company, so earlier I mentioned sort of this tendency to, to shift back and forth between centralization and decentralization. And I would say right now, we are, at least in the group I'm in, there is a shift towards centralizing again I don't know I'll, I'll just tell you I will help I will con- contribute and collaborate I am not yet bought into the vision and I hope the leaders there uh, convince me otherwise because to, on the face of it it feels like there is a there is a pull There's a committee that's going through and trying to define the set of standards that will cause everyone to standardize. And, and I'm like, you can't make those things. Every business will require you to change your standard. You have to have a way to handle that.
0: And that's a huge scale. Let me talk about how I'm doing that at my scale, because I, I, we really believe in autonomy and letting people and giving people choices. So, but in some cases we can't do that. In some cases around like security tooling that we implement, uh, we're going to be very strict about that. The way I look at it is providing paved roads. And you're going to, if you want to get the absolute best support from my team and have your best chance for success, you're going to stay on those paved roads. But sometimes you need to go onto a dirt road. And it's fine. It's probably, it's probably still going to be okay. A lot of that dirt road comes back and connects to a paved road, but you're going to get a little less support from us because we don't want to support you there. If you're going to be all off mountain biking in the wilderness, you are on your own and nobody's no exec business is going to support that. They're going to say, if you want to run a service, you stay as much as you can on the, on the paved roads that are already provided. That's how you're going to be successful. And so it's not so you may get a couple different things. For example, you maybe for example you could use uh, I don't even name any names. There's a couple different CI systems you could use. You could use a couple different public cloud providers, and we'll help you with those. But generally, the paved roads are are we want to again the metaphor is getting burned out here. But I want to give people a chance, give them a chance to choose where needed, but I can't just let them go wide open, willy nilly, whatever you want, because eventually you're going to need support from my team and you're not going to be able to get it because we don't know what you're doing.
1: Well, yeah. And if you can, if you can put constraints around that or principles, to me, the, the solution to this is establishing the right set of principles that, that serve as guardrails.
0: Right. Right guardrails. We want to help people stumble towards success. The other thing is, again, easier to do with a company of 5,000 than it is 200,000. I don't know if that translates into engineers, but there's a level of trust I need to establish with the business leaders near their organizations where they come, like I have one leader for a big org. He tells me, tell my team what to do. He wants us to tell him what to do.
1: Go wash know, my car.
0: You know what I mean? It's like, we can, we can say do X. Like, okay, okay we're going to do X. But usually it's, here's what we've learned from this analysis, looking at these incidents, going forward, we should always do X. And they go, okay, it's canon. It's done. We're doing it. And those things just turn into the pa- the paved roads. I don't know how, well, first of all, again, I think this is very difficult at Microsoft. I think to some extent- the Azure DevOps team probably does this internally. One thing I was really impressed with is it is very, very difficult to take a product that's shipped both internally and externally. And I have been talking to VS folks about this for a long time. They said, nope, Microsoft, customer, Microsoft employees, not our customers. And eventually Satya said, yes, they are. And it is a difficult thing to do. When I think of companies that have something they use internally, they ship externally, it's almost always a forked version or off, more often two different teams working on those things. So full credit to that Azure DevOps team, despite their dumb name, figuring out how to deliver to both internal and external customers. Um, so that part is is great. And, I'm, and I know they probably have a team that kind of functions as internal developer relations. I know I would get pinged a lot when I was there by, I don't, didn't look up to see who they were, people on that team to say, how's this going? I see you're doing an inordinate number of queries against this data set. What's up? And I explain I built a dashboard. They go, okay, that's cool. But I'm kind of wondering, this is very similar to someone, you know, someone else's journey into modern testing. And they go, Oh, this is a thing I already do. I can read about it a little bit. How often is this? How often is this used? So what I'm curious about from our listeners, and you can go to the one of the three or get an invitation from modern testing.org. If not already there. and, I'm just curious if you have a team like this, if you call them internal developer relations, or if you don't, that's fine too. But does your company have a team whose role is to evangelize sort of a central set of tools? And then I wonder while I ask this question, if your company is a hundred people, you probably don't need that because everybody knows everybody and uh, there's no need to do that. They know about stuff. There's some tipping point where one or two degrees of separation are so prevalent that you need to have a team to help make sure that people know how to use the dozens, if not hundreds, of different things that we have to help developers get their job done. So, very curious.
1: So, I know they haven't been engaged with me if they exist, but as you correctly call out, a lot of a lot of uh within Microsoft is now public. Uh, One thing we are uh, about to do, which I think you've been doing this for a while. Back in the day, when you join a new team, right, what's one of the first conversations you had with your admin? Do you remember? You're about to join a team. They always ask you, okay, you probably forgot. One of the first conversations is which machine you're taking with you.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right, the laptop or the desktop? Well,
0: I forgot. Yeah, I would, ne- I would never would have pulled that.
1: We are about to remove desktop from active life here yeah. in uh, the world. As Obviously, you should. At, st- yeah, we, ju- we just have laptops. It'll start with Azure, um, but then it'll go to um, it'll go to all of Microsoft pretty quick
0: was interesting, I'll see if I can shut the story real quick, but early on in the pandemic, uh, what was interesting is the our desktop developers were a little slowed at first because their, their, their desktops were stuck at work. They needed to either VPN into them or get them and bring them home. But on the services side of things, it was business as normal because we do all our work on laptops and all the heavy lifting happens in the cloud. Right, right. And honestly, last plug, my M1 MacBook Pro, is faster than my desktop. It's it's a, and my desktop is fast. It, it's a, it's a rocket.
1: Anyway, go on. I am beginning to go into a market. So I don't know if you've encountered this as well. Um, maybe, maybe your glasses are better than mine. I find that that as I'm getting older, my eyesight's getting worse. I have a piece of shit laptop right there on the ground, which you can't see. Um, With a 14 inch screen, which I just can't work from anymore.
0: I have to, I, I'm at the age where um, the resolutions I run at, I need glasses to use. Uh,
1: Even with glasses, I will get a headache Oh, or, or I have to blow up the resolution so much that all I can see is like the, the text box that says your first name. Right. And I'm like, yeah, now give me my monitors at work with dual mon and when i heard about um us moving to the cloud with virtual desktops i'm like okay that makes sense right at dog food i've always been a believer in dog food um but i don't want to give up multi mon. multi mon, super handy for me and it turns out it works
0: I- i'm running three monitors on my laptop well i have the laptop plus two other monitors
1: yeah, yeah. So we're gonna get apparently workstation class laptops. Um, I don't don't know what that means. I think it's uh, a good
0: plan. And honestly, and- that whole "you can take one machine" thing was dumb because those machines, half the time, didn't end up going. Just end up sitting around doing nothing anyway.
1: Oh, not me. my My last machine, the machine I took with me to Azure, was like an eighty gig box. I had I had wooed the admin to allow me to buy the memory for it, and people are like, "How much memory is in this thing?" Gosh. And I'm like, <laughs> "A lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot." But now with the cloud, I'm like, "Eighty so anyway. Anyway, right,
0: man, I gotta get going. We're talking to the old guy talk, and we can. I fix- I love to hear the chatter on this in uh, our Slack channel, so bring that on. Uh, I gotta run, and but it's been good chatting with you again.
1: Yes. See you in a couple of weeks. All right, man. Bye. Bye.